Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Before we do anything, we're going to give you an opportunity right now to win a $25 gift certificate from the good folks at Sorgles. All you need to do is to call 412-922-1020. want to remind you, Doug and Jess, right now, ready to talk gardening with you. All of our lines are open, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, instant access, kdkradio.com. And you can text us on the Red Automotive line, the best deal in town. Time for... The business of organic gardening. Here they are, Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser. Good morning, you two. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from EverybodyGardens.com and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. And even though you're picking tomatoes like crazy, one of the questions I'm still getting is, when are tomatoes going to turn red? <laughs> Lots of people are waiting. And uh, I talked about it on TV and the day before I talked about it, the producer posted her harvest of tomatoes. She's getting lots of tomatoes. So there's nothing you can do to 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 speed that up. It's just the genetics of the plant, the weather, where you got them. Then they'll come when they come. Yeah, and it's uh, they they're coming at my house <laughs> for sure. I got picked a big basket of them yesterday, so I might be making some tomato soup this afternoon. Whatever doesn't go into sandwiches and salads goes into tomato Good soup. Good hot tomato soup for the summer. For the winter. I freeze it. Oh, okay. I freeze it. I have a little bit in the summer, but I love it with a good toasted cheese sandwich. And the then winter. I saw some posts uh, recently about the Mexican sunflowers blooming. My uh, yellow torch Mexican sunflower is just budding. Maybe today. Maybe today I'll get my flowers. But, uh, oh, I love Mexican sunflowers. A great pollinator plant and just a beautiful, huge Wonderful plant. Yeah, mine just started blooming thanks to you and the plants you gave me this spring. Um, I'm growing the orange variety, and it's already taller than I am and only has one flower so far. But I know in a few short weeks it'll just be smothered in those beautiful orange blooms. And I'm having just an incredible year for butterflies in my garden. And I've been hearing from so many other gardeners as well that I've spied a few monarch caterpillars on my uh, butterfly weed yesterday and my milkweed. And uh, the the swallowtails, are, there's just a million of those around, and the pipevine swallowtail. So it's just been a really good year for, for the bugs in the garden, well, which that's is good. A, that's, it's, it's been up and down, depending on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. I did post something about, so are you seeing any monarchs? And yes, some are, you know, I saw one, a, a post yesterday, uh, just filled with monarchs, but then other people were saying, haven't seen a one. And mm. I'm in that category haven't seen one really well we i've had found three caterpillars yesterday uh what was really odd was that i was in the vegetable garden picking cucumbers and i found a monarch caterpillar on the cucumber plant which is not near any Mm -hmm. milkweed plants Hmm. and i was like is it eating this plant what's the deal so i actually thought maybe it blew there somehow so i picked it up on a leaf and took it over to the milkweed plant and it seemed to be very happy to be there so hopefully i did it a favor and didn't hurt it in some way. But I thought, well, you know, they need the milkweed. They can't eat anything but milkweed. So, And the calls are coming in about tomato plants. Septoria leaf spot and early blight. I'm hearing a lot about that. You know, the, the, the typical explanation of the bottom leaves turning yellowish and brown. 
I'm getting it a little bit. I'm not worried about it. I'm just removing the infected foliage. It's too late for me to start. I'm, I'm, you know, the tomatoes are on there. They'll be fine. They'll turn when they're ready, and I'm just going to let it do its thing. Yeah, I've had subtoria leaf spot for the past maybe two, three weeks, um, those bottom leaves, and I'm trying to keep after picking them off the plant as soon as I see them and throwing them out in the garbage um, and not on the compost pile because, of course, those spores can stay in the compost and, uh, and infect next year's plant. So I really am trying to do a good job of removing them, but it's a definite chore and task to make sure that you get out there with a nice clean pair of clippers and, and cut them off the plant as soon as you spy them. But it really does do a good job of helping to manage that. Disease. Is there anything new in the tomato garden that you planted that you love? Is there anything that's really super cool? Well, I wasn't so sure about that Dancing with Smurfs mm-hmm. variety that I got with the silly. I bought it for the silly name, but you I wanted to. You were complaining to, about it a couple of weeks ago. I didn't really like them when they first started ripening, but they're getting sweeter now. And I don't know if it's the weather or what it is, but... They're tasting a little bit sweeter. I'm, I'm appreciating them a little bit more. They're, they're a really big cherry, too. So they're kind of a meaty, bigger cherry. They're not that sort of real acidic tomato taste. That's what I really like in a That's tomato. That's what I like, too. Yeah. Um, so they're that. They're not They're not my favorite, but I do. They're, they're definitely interesting to look at in the garden, too, with that purpley red, which is fun. There's a cool thing going on today at Sorgles. It's Sorgles Harvest Festival from today, today from 11 to 5. Lots of fun stuff to do. There's an open-air farmer's market. Oh, I can't imagine all the stuff they're going to have there. Uh, fun educational tractor rides, games, activities, face painting, peach desserts. Ooh. I saw they had grilled corn there, too, on their Instagram feed yesterday. I, I was thought like, you were going to say you had, me at, you had me at peach. Yeah, right? <laughs> Great food and lots more. Today, Sorgles, 11 to 5, their Harvest Festival. That is going to be awesome. All right, folks, if you want to talk to Doug and Jess, I highly urge you to start calling ASAP. Congratulations to Marianne from the Northside, winner of that Sorgles certificate. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. Good morning. All right, Carl, Troy Hill, Doug and Jess, the Organic Gardeners. Hey, Carl, good morning. Good morning, folks. Um... I uh, recently uh, got a house in Grove City, and it had two of these Arbor Vites. Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, they're about um, four and a half to maybe five feet tall at the most at this point. And I noticed recently uh, that uh, the very bottom of branches towards almost like the first ones up from the ground are getting brown. Uh, is there anything wrong there, or what should I be doing? Um, the first question I always ask when you have limbs on the lower evergreen like that turning brown is, is there any chance there might be a cat or a dog that's using it as their commode? <laughs> because, I don't think so. Okay, because yeah. I was going to say, because that can really yeah. t- cause those lower branches to turn yellow and crispy and, and die off. Um the other thing that could be happening is, is it under the eaves of the house where it doesn't get enough water from rain? Nope. It's right smack out in the backyard with no kind of impediments as far as that's concerned. Okay. And do you know how old those shrubs are, the arbovita? Well, I don't because okay. uh, they were uh, planted by the previous owner, I presume. Okay. Okay. So, you know, it could be a little bit of... Um, uh, drought stress happening because we did have such a wet spring and then things dried out a little bit. So sometimes that can cause those lower, um, you know, especially the inside of the shrub 
So if it's towards the inside, you have that needle drop happening, turning yellow on the inside. That's a lot of, oftentimes indicative of drought stress. Uh, so I, I would maybe do in the springtime, give it a little bit of fertilizer specific for evergreens. So something like Hollytone, which would help as well. Um, there's not really any fungal diseases that is super common in, on an Arbovita. Doug, do you have any thoughts on what it could be? No, but I actually wanted to talk to you about another conifer issue that we oh. had uh, last week. So, no, I think you're so right, I, on the, right on the money there for the Arborvita. I basically nothing then, right? Yeah, I mean, I would point. make sure that it has enough water because I do think, think drought stress could be a factor here with how dry it's been um, off and on over the last couple of weeks. So I would make sure that it's getting ample water, make sure that, that no animals are using it as a potty stop. And I think that you'll be okay if you give it a little fertilizer. Well, I do have spring. some rabbits that come around. Maybe would they? No, it wouldn't be them. It's usually cats and dogs, uh, male cats okay. that will spray, yeah. and dogs that will lift their legs. So, yeah. You know, arborvitaes are tough. They'll be all right. Yeah. Okay. So you had a question. So yeah, from last last week, last week uh, Todd Sherbandi and I were trying to figure this out. There was a uh, uh, our friend Lori called, and she has a Skylands conifer. And just the top of it was turning brown. And he was wondering maybe bagworms. Well, she took a close look at it, and actually she's a member of the American Conifer Society. It was white pine weevil, mm. which is something that, mm-hmm. you know, big out west, you know, Pacific Northwest. But, uh, yeah, and so it is a it is a nasty pest. Yeah, and it causes all those growing tips and yeah. shoots yeah, yeah, to yep, wither and yep. sort of Turn like a shepherd's hook, right? They yeah, wilt and then looks, they die. It looks bad. Tip. Yeah. It's a, it was a beautiful tree. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. I've actually seen that happen on white pines, but they usually will cut, recover because they'll sort of develop a new, you know, not really a new leader, but the branches will kind of overcome it. But a nice little dwarf conifer like that, that's a shame. That's a big shame. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. Yeah. Barbara Highland Park up next for Doug and Jessica. Good morning. Hi, good morning. I'm calling about our fig um, trees, and the problem is they're really healthy, and they have multiple figs, but the figs are not, in, they're not getting any bigger. We have mission figs and turkey figs, and they're just about the size of a cherry tomato, and they've been like that, and they're not getting bigger. Ah, oh, figs. Aren't figs wonderful? <laughs> mm, <laughs> I, lovely. I've got one that, that, you know, it didn't come, I didn't think it was going to come back for the winter. It's finally sprouted up. It has no figs on it. I've got another one that I bought for 10 bucks because it hadn't leafed out at the nursery at, at Han, and now it's filled with beautiful leaves, no figs. Uh, I mean, is it growing in full sun? Does does it have what, it's, what it needs? Because if, mm-hmm. it, if it does, uh, you're just going to have to kind of sit on it and wait and hope for the best. And maybe you'll get some little figs and they'll, you know, they'll they'll ripen up for you. That's that's the thing. Will they ripen up? <laughs> Will they ripen? That's the problem. They're they're hard. They're beautiful. The plants are beautiful, but and the the we have multiple figs, like I said. But do they need fertilizer? What do they need? Cause are they, they in a pot? Sun. Are they growing in no, pots? They're in the ground. In the they're ground. In the ground. Okay. You they know, have water. They're, sun. They're, they like sun. They don't really need much much fertilizer. You know, they kind of grow as a as a weedy plant in in Italy, and uh, we've had enough rain, that's for sure. So I think it's just waited out. It's kind of like the tomato issue. You know, I mean, they're there. Think think of that. 
You got fa- you got figs, <laughs> and you still have another at least two six months? six weeks, two months to yeah. to get okay. them. I well, think, that's encouraging. Yes, I think you'll be okay. Uh, you know, as far as the size of them, that's just I think it's just the plant and what, what's happening. Unless they're in pure clay or something like that. No. Uh, yeah, oh. they're in decent average garden soil. Mm-hmm. I just wait it out. Well, thanks. Good luck. Okay. Okay, let's say hi to Tom Bethel Park for Doug and Jess on the Organic Gardeners, KDK Radio. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. I took your advice on the daffodils and took the spent flower stalks off. Uh, I wanted to ask you now about gladiolus. They are flowering, and when they are done, do you remove that stalk? Yes, you should remove the flower stalk to prevent it from setting seed or from developing seeds because any bulb plant like that puts a lot of energy into producing the seeds when instead what you want it to do is take that energy and put it into making a bigger bulb so that you get bigger and better flowers for the next season. Um, So same thing with those gladiolus. Let the leaves go. You want the leaves to turn brown naturally on their own, but the flower stalk should be cut off. Do you remove the bulbs? Uh, at the end of the growing season, you take them out of the ground? That's the million-dollar question, right? Because technically, they're not officially hardy here, but um, for many, many gardeners, they do return every year. I haven't, haven't you know, somebody sent me some. Yeah. I don't really have the sun to get them to do what they need to do. They'll they'll do it a little bit, but I never touch them, and they keep coming back year after year. They're out in the vegetable garden there's no protection so they're actually making it uh, on their own and i think for a lot of people glads are making it on their own nowadays are the glads that you have were they planted this year or or they they did they winter over no they wintered over and i'm looking at them right now and they're gorgeous yeah good good so i you know it's we have to have a really really cold year for them not to make it so most people just leave them in the ground. But if you don't want to take the risk, you can lift them and store them in a box of peat moss in the garage or another, um, you know, co- cold area, like a cold cellar or a basement or something like that um, to ensure that they'll come back and then replant them in the spring. But most people just leave them in the ground. What do you think about a covering over with leaves? Yeah, shredded, so, shredded leaves. Uh, an insurance policy. Yeah, shredded leaves, uh, thick straw would be fine. It would certainly then, it would certainly help. Okay, uh, is it too late to start broccoli plants from seeds and get something you know late, very late fall? Is it too late to? do yeah, that? Yeah, I think it's too late to do that. You would have had to start them about a month ago. It's, um, it's going to be hard to find the plants. I was going to say if you can find the transplants at a nursery that does have. Some nurseries will carry fall transplants, and if you can find some, you can go ahead and put them out in the garden. What but, what area yeah. do you live in? Bethel. Bethel. So I know that for sure that when we get to the season, usually Chapins has a whole series of those fall. They have in the past. So, mm-hmm. you know, a good nursery usually is bringing those plants in nowadays because more and more people are planting that way. Because Jessica and I have told them to plant that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's all our fault we got them addicted to gardening. That's yeah, the problem, yeah. right? You're around gardening. Come on. Yay. Don't stop. Yeah, that'll last till about November. You'll be like, stop. Stop. Please stop. <laughs> right. Susan, Allison Park for Doug and Jess. Last call of the first half hour of the program. How are you, Susan? Good morning. Is this um, for me? Yes, yeah, you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I, you said Susan. I'm Suzanne. Okay. I'm back to last week's show. about the. I called in about the tree in my front yard that 
the light, the Duquesne lights taking out the two trees. Right. We well, I, we, lurk, I looked and I searched, and they are California Dawn Redwood. That's what Todd was guessing. And that Davy, Mr. Davy Trees was right on the money. Yeah, Todd Sherbondi, the, 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 the explanation of the tree was that it looked fern, like a fern. Yeah, right? yeah that would be, yeah, so. make and sense. It, and I'm so depressed that these are being taken out, but oh, they're really... They are the my my front yard looks so especially nice this year, and then they're going to come in here and trash my front yard taking these trees out. They're big trees. Oh. Yeah. But the first owners of this house, my house is sixty years old, and the first owners planted all kind of trees. So he must have chose these trees for the front yard. Mm-hmm. They are great I trees. I have two in the backyard, and I can imagine what a change oh, that's going them. to be. I do, yeah. We have two, and I can and imagine I've, that's going to be a huge change And for I've you. got one in the back also. Uh, well, there, he was saying, uh, Mr. Davey Trees was saying something about they were, either that or I read it, something about they're close to extinction. Is that true? Well, they were. They were. They uh, actually didn't even know that they still existed, and then somebody found one in the mountains in of a, China it was or in something. A, a valley in China okay. during World War II. They found them, and actually, a lot of the plant material still comes from that valley. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, like, does Penn State ever come in to take cuttings off of trees to? keep them um, in existence? No, this is actually now has become quite a common plant in the nursery trade. At once, it was very rare and unusual to see them, but now you can find them quite easily at most local nurseries. It's a great tree. All right, we've got some Dollar Bank instant access messages, some right automotive text messages, and we've got some available space on the phone line. So 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank instant access, kdkradio.com, and you can text us on the right automotive line, the best deal in town. Next hour, your favorite deli sandwiches with Joe and Frank Dentisi. Of course, the Coons Cooking Hour, then Heffron Tillotson's Your Money and You, and then everything that is sports on the Coons Market, Black and Gold Sunday Show. Hey, before we uh, give away this certificate to Janoski's, pick your own weekend next weekend. That's a pretty cool thing, isn't it, Doug? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine nowadays? That's that's awesome. Yeah. You think like, oh, no, we can't pick your own liability and this and that, but just go and pick your own stuff. When I was a kid, we used to do it. I'm sure you guys oh, did yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yep. In fact, when I was a kid... <laughs> They used to give you this kind of like big vest at the apple uh, orchard, <laughs> and it like had a big pouch in it, and so you would just fill that pouch up with apples and go Pretend home. Pretend you were a kangaroo. <laughs> I had one of those vests. They tied the arms behind my back. Yeah, that's a different type yeah, of yeah, vest. Yeah. <laughs> Is it white right, right, with right. big yeah. buckles on it? Right, yeah. Absolutely. But I'm that's going to take me away. Ha ha. He he ha ha. That's next weekend. And uh, <laughs> if you would like to call in now and be the tenth caller. You can win a wonderful $25 gift certificate from Janoski's, 412-922-1020. Let's head out to uh, Armstrong County and say hello to Robert. Robert, welcome to KDK Radio. Say hi to Doug and Jess. Hey, how y'all doing? How's it going? Okay. Hey, I got some extra basil. I want to save it for like, you know, maybe December or January. What's some good ways of doing that? I like to freeze. I don't like to dry. I like to just put it in a uh, a food. This is the way I do it. Everybody does it differently. I'm sure Jessica will have a different way. I like to put it in a food processor with a little bit of olive oil, some garlic, and then I freeze it into ice cube trays. It becomes these like intense dark green super basil cubes. That one cube is super basil. Super cubes. basil cubes. One cube is enough for some sauce or soup or. Whatever you want to make out of it. How do you like? Yeah, to do that's it? how I like to freeze mine too, actually. And the ice cube trays are really nice because it's like a single serving um, of basil to go with. What you don't want to put in there is you don't want to like add the cheese and stuff already to make it um, like an official pesto because that cheese 
often tastes kind of icky after it comes out of the freezer. So I usually don't add the cheese until I'm ready to, to cook it. Um, if you are going to dry basil, I've actually found the most intense flavor that you get from dried basil comes from drying it in a food dehydrator. Rather than, you know, normally with a lot of herbs, I'll just like hang them in bunches uh, and let them naturally air dry. But with basil, they really will, it will really lose its flavor that way. So if you have access to a food dehydrator, it dries really, really quickly that way and keeps that basil flavor better than um, hanging drying wood. Those are definitely the best ways to to preserve the basil. There's not like I wouldn't just throw the leaves in a freezer bag like I would do with parsley uh, because they get really dark and kind of slimy and lose their flavor. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for the call. Okay, let's take care of some of this uh, social media stuff. Uh, We got... uh, a text message that came just moments ago, right out of motive text line, best deal in town. A peach tree whose fruit always seems to go bad on the tree. Is there anything I can do about it? Uh, probably brown rot would be my guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we always say it. Peaches will break your heart. Yes, they I, know. Will. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted me to. Yeah, you, yeah. You, I give you the line. <laughs> they do. And brown rot is really devastating uh. because it usually strikes when the fruit is just about ripe and you'll start to get sort of a, a brown sunken canker on the fruit and then it will just shrivel up and it's really sad. And the only way to um, prevent it is with using an organic fungicide that's labeled for use against brown rot. Uh, so something like the brand Serenade, which is the one that we really like. Uh, that works really well, or even something like lime sulfur, uh, which is an organic fungicide. That will work as well, but you have to do it as a preventative. That's, once that's the problem. Yeah, once the pathogen starts, it's one that's very, very difficult to control. So if you know, it sounds to me like you get it every year. So I would start doing it when the peaches are about the size of a nickel, and um, I think the label would will probably be about every fourteen to twenty one days. Um, that you have to spray, but it is really, really effective against brown rot and other fungal pathogens as well on peaches. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkaradio.com. Last fall, I cut my Rose of Sharon down to the ground, expecting new growth in the spring. So far, no new growth. Did I kill it, or is there maybe some hope? Jess, uh, you would probably have a party if something like that happened. I kind of would. I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of Rose of Sharon's personally. Well, what's this party all about? The Rose of Sharon didn't come back. <laughs> it's the death of the Rose of Sharon. If it has not sprouted new growth by now, it's probably dead. Um, which is which is pretty amazing because they're really never really heard difficult of, yes, to never kill. Heard of, never heard of one getting killed before. <laughs> yeah, especially not from pruning because they are a plant that you typically can cut all the way back down to the ground and it does it just comes back like gangbusters. So, uh, but unfortunately, I think in this case maybe something else was going on and uh, and the plant did not if you, revive. If you do want to put in another Rosa Sharon, pick one of those newer ones that isn't that's sterile that doesn't make a lot of babies. You know, they have some some beautiful ones out there, doubles and that sort of thing. That's the the downside to Rosa Sharon is it's such an invasive. Uh, it's just hard to, to to keep up with everything that Rosa Sharon does. Some people that I know love the flowers, but. Like yourself. Yeah. yeah. yeah they just, the bees they, they, love the flowers, too. I mean, the bees go gang. The, the birds, lo- birds for that. love the seeds and yep. everything, but I certainly understand the. <laughs> You know, they make babies like crazy. They throw seeds everywhere. Uh, they're just a, for me, they're just a memory. They're a memory tree. That's why I love them because it just takes me back to another time. When you really liked Rose of Sharon. 
<laughs> when you when your kids played baseball, was that the story? Basketball. It was their basketball. basketball. Okay, all right. Under the Rose of Sharon Tree. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> that's the memory song from uh, Rob. Yes. <laughs> you know what? It is so true. We are so dramatic with our lives. The older we get, you know. And I remember saying to my, I'm going to hear the same story from my grandmother when I go over there. And now I'm telling that. Well, story. poor Jessica's heard the same story. She's like, "What is it? Baseball? Basketball? What the uh, heck do they sport. play? Do they play some sport on your?" tree well, and now you got to have it as my dad would say you wait young lady till you get to be our age <laughs> all right dan in new kensington cantaloupe on his mind say hello to doug and jess the organic gardeners good morning dan good morning uh i have a problem with uh with a few cantaloupes uh they're turning orange on me and i don't know what's going on with that there the, uh, the fruit or the foliage god uh, the, the fruit mm. cantaloupes yes they're supposed to turn. I'm confused. So they're supposed to turn orange. Do you mean like be, the between the nets on the outside of the fruit? Well, the whole fruit itself. Yeah. So I think it's just. I think it's the variety that you're growing. Well, they're they're called a Minnesota midget. Okay. So so the netting on it, the netting should be sort of a yellow, uh, a yellowy tan color. And then the the skin in between the netting on the outside of that cantaloupe will turn sort of a yellowy orange when the fruit is ripe. Have they? Have, do you think they're not ripe yet? And they're and it's the problem is that they're turning before you you feel like they're ripe. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a little confused on that. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so one of the ways that you can look with a cantaloupe to see if it is ripe is you look at the tendril that's opposite of where the cantaloupe attaches to the plant. So uh-huh. you, if that uh, tendril there has turned brown and died, that's a good sign that that melon is ready to pick. And cantaloupes, do they often slip off of that vine very easily. So you don't have to give a real hard tug when they're ripe. You just sort of pick up that fruit and pull a little bit. And if it pops off of the vine, then you know that it's ready for harvest. And I'm, okay. looking, I'm looking at some pictures of uh, Minnesota Midget right now, and it looks pretty orange. The fruit itself. Right, when they're ripe. Yeah, they do have that orange color between the netting. All right, thank you for the call. Short break, we'll come back, and we'll get back to more of your phone calls. Stay with us. Doug and Jess continue on KDK Radio in moments. Good morning. Get ready. It's Mrs. Know-It-All. She's a grower, horticulturist, and our garden goddess, Denise Schreiber. Good morning. So I dry my basil in a food dehydrator, mm-hmm. um, but occasionally if I've been baking after I shut the oven off and leave it, the door open for a while, then I'll put a tray in there and just let it dry that way, just the residual heat helps. And actually preserving you know, herbs and you know, other goodies from the garden is actually what I'm going to be talking about today at Sorgles, um, plus if you really want to come up, I have peach blueberry preserves wow. that people are going to be able to sample, too. So I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about freezing, canning, drying, and just general questions about, you know, the types of fruits and vegetables that, you know, people want to have, you know, in the pantry for the winter, plus, you know, food safety. You know, that's always important when you're doing canning. Yeah, and it's something that um, can be intimidating for people, although when it's done right and you learn from someone like you who's a master canner, it, it actually is a very easy process and simple process, but you do have to learn how to know how to do it right. I'm afraid of it, you know. I just I didn't grow up with it, so mm. 
um, yeah, you'd have to have an expert like Mrs. Know It. I'll teach you how to do it. All right, uh, a text message right out of the text line. Best deal in town. Dahlias wintered in their pots in garage. No blooms. Also, blueberries shriveled on plant. So no blooms on your dahlias. Well, there's still time. Dahlias are late bloomers, just like me, and uh, they'll they'll come. You know, is that they'll, what it is? They'll as long as they have what they need. As long as they have, uh, you know, they're in a pot and they've got. Uh, enough fertility in there it's going to bud it's going to flower that's just what they do and make sure they have full sun because that oh, yeah. will bring on the blooms too um and don't over fertilize with nitrogen because that is not a good thing that makes a lot of green sometimes at the expense of flower production so watch what types of fertilizer you use on flowering plants like that or you could be preventing what was the other question blooming. there rob uh that was it oh the other question blueberries. about blueberries blueberry tripling on plants oh that's too bad yeah that's yeah sad. Yeah, so shriveling. Hmm. Mm. Uh, that's what, what unusual. Does shriveling mean like wrinkling? Yeah, I guess okay. so. And kind of like uh, drying like up. Drying and, up yeah. on there. Um, there are some little uh, worms that get inside of blueberries. They're not real common here in Pennsylvania. So I would not necessarily attribute it to that. It could be a fungal issue, but blueberries are usually pretty simple and um, easy as long as you harvest them on time. If you let them on the plant too long past harvest, they will naturally shrivel up like that and dry up. So I'm wondering if you're just missing the harvest window, those few days where they're really at their peak, and then they would dry up and shrivel up on the plant like that. Um, th- that's what it sounds like it might be the situation. You know, somebody gave me one thornless blackberry plant a few years ago, and boy, we have more blackberries out of that thing than you could possibly imagine. Really? And you get enough sun for it there. Wow, they yeah, don't get good. much sun. It's under, <laughs> it's under a big giant uh, pine tree. So, mm. no, it doesn't get much sun at all, but it puts on berries like crazy. Yeah, you know, we've been picking them every day. Good. It's been awesome. That's what the blackberries, where you once have one blackberry, you now have hundreds <laughs> <100. of> blackberries. <laughs> right. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. My pepper plants are not growing. They've been in the garden as long as my tomatoes. Lettuce are flourishing, but pepper seems stunted. My spinach will not grow either. Thanks for the help. Mm. So, soil test would probably be the best thing. Just figure out what's going on there. Uh, you know, the fact that the other things are growing, maybe they're growing in another bed or something, you know, it's been a good year for peppers, mm-hmm. you know, with all the rain and warmth. Uh, what was the other crop that she was talking about that they were talking about? Spinach. In oh, spinach. Well, this is not the time to be is, growing yeah, spinach. Spinach only likes cold weather, you know, so this would be the time to maybe start some spinach, uh, maybe even a little later. Yeah. I usually wait till late, late August. So some spinach, sometimes it comes up in the fall and sometimes the seeds sit there all winter long uh, and then it sprouts in the spring. And that's actually when I get the best spinach crop is by planting in the fall and letting the uh, plants or seeds just sit, sit in the garden over the winter. And those make the best. Uh, I, I or love, March, man, they make the best, best greens. I love to do that, too. And it's just it's just such so great to see that sprout up first thing in, in, the, in the spring. And then I'll, I can if it's a mild winter i'll have some sprouted and just give it some protection and sometimes that spinach will sit there all winter under a floating row cover or under a little bit of plastic and then next year if they make it they go nuts yeah awesome yeah one thing that person can do with their peppers that might help is do a foliar feed 
So like a liquid organic fertilizer, something like um, Espoma has one called uh, Grow. That's a great liquid fertilizer that you mix with your irrigation water and you can actually get it on the foliage and the root zone of the plant and it would absorb it through both the leaves and the soil. And that will give a little bit of extra nutrition, the right type of balance of nutrients and might help uh, get that plant going and, and start producing some fruit. You know, and speaking of that grow, that's what I'm going to be using today. I'm going to fertilize all my containers I love today. that stuff for my pots, yeah, too. Yeah, that's yeah. What I'm going to do all my containers today. Uh, that's an important part about growing in pots. And even though I do have a lot of, of land, uh, I've, I've got probably 40, 50 pots out there with different things, flowers and vegetables and stuff. And uh, guys from Davy Tree were actually at my house uh, a couple of days ago after uh, an oak tree fell and took down a pine tree, oh, which geez. went on the house, which I didn't care about, because. but my beautiful flowering crab apple tree was underneath You didn't that. care, but that it went on the house. Ah, that can be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> the crab apple, though, uh, was the, the oh. guys, we, the three of us sat there looking at it, thinking, I said, guys, this, this tree really means something to me. And they're like, well, it's going to look funny. I said, yeah, it's going to be my ugly little tree. So oh. they cut it up in a way that I'm hoping that we'll see what happens. Oh, that's Left too one, bad. One little, one little sprout off the one side that hopefully will become kind of a the, bigger sprout. Kind of, the, <laughs> kind of the central leader. We'll see. All right, listen, we're going to take our final break, come back, wrap up the hour with Doug and Jess, and get ready for Joe and Frank Deli Sandwiches today on the Coons Cooking Hour. Good morning. So this is the time, though, to think a little bit about planting for the future, for planting for the fall. Uh, and like you said, maybe it's too early for spinach. That's the thing. You know, you could put in some spinach or something like that, and then you get a hot spell, and then, boom, it's going to bolt and go go to right, seed. Right, But it is a great time if you want to do a late crop of beets or something like uh, kale or lettuce, uh, cabbage, if you can get a hold of some cabbage transplants. Right now is a great time to be putting those late season put crops your, in. put your arugula in? Yeah, lots of arugulas. You know how much I love arugula. Uh, but I all love those... arugula. I'm going to be planting arugula. Not for everybody, though. Yeah, it isn't. But all those fall crops, man, they they love this um, you know, weather when we start to get cooler here in the next couple of weeks. So sow them now out in the garden, and then you'll be harvesting. You know, you might maybe be able to pick your own carrots for your Thanksgiving dinner, which would be oh, a wonderful least, thing. At least, you know, the thing is that anything that sprouts there, you know, when you're thinning it, all that you can use. You mm-hmm. know, I love the thinnings of carrots. You know, those, those little things, the tops and everything, and just throw them in. It's just a, such a wonderful, intense flavor. That's one of the reasons we garden is for that, the freshness of everything. That's what we're reaping now with the harvest. It's just uh, so much fun after all that work. I got a new pepper. Oh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it from uh, Burpee, but I think it's Piment. No, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a beautiful color, you know, little sweet peppers. And then I have lots of uh, super chilies I'm going to make. Like my dehydrated hot pepper flakes. Nice. Ho- hopefully, you'll take some this year. <laughs> we grew these Thai super hot chilies, and they're Uh-oh. they're teeny tiny. They're like the size of your pinky fingernail. They're really little, but man, are they hot! <laughs> I said it gave, and John loves hot peppers, and I gave one to him. I'm like, try this because he's always my taste tester. I'm like, try this, see how hot it is, see how hot it is. And he took like a little bite, and he was like, "Oh, it's hot." I said, "Is it hotter than a jalapeno?" He said, "Oh, it's hotter than a oh, jalapeno." Those, whenever the pepper is little like that, <laughs> you know you've it's going to be worry. hot. Yeah, you, you've definitely got to worry. And there's about a million. I have one plant, and oh, there's a million of them on that plant. That's just so. like su- super chili, I just yeah. kind of stuck them in a um, in a pot and let them do their thing. And I'm, I've been giving peppers away like crazy. 
Do you like hot peppers? Oh yeah, I do. Here, but yeah. be, care- be careful with these. Yeah, the super chilies are are not like a ghost pepper or a Carolina Reaper, but they're way above a jalapeno. You know, they're they're actually I love hot hot peppers too, but they're actually too hot for me just to eat raw like that. Mm-hmm. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. All right, there they go, ladies and gentlemen, everybody, gardens.com. Doug Oster, of course, he and Jessica, both part of that Trib Live brand. Check them out. Great videos, great articles. They do it all. And be looking for them coming to a nursery or speaking engagement near you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.